الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين Before we start, can I just do a couple of uh, checks with you? Can I check that definitely the audio is coming through the correct microphone? Do you want me to give you a little tap? Yeah, brilliant. Uh, well, we've got the sisters, the girls, we've got the girls on today with the link. And can you start the discussion group on Telegram? Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about this discussion group. It's not for you guys, it's for the guys who are watching on the video. We want a way where people can temporarily ask questions for the duration of the class. They cannot ask questions after the class and the purpose is not to people to chat to each other or whatever. There's a group and it's on the screen, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's on the screen. You can join that on Telegram. Uh, and for the duration of the class, you'll be able to ask questions. Once the class is over, the group will be closed and next time another group will open up again for the purpose of just asking the questions. Um, if there is anyone who starts to misuse the group or use it for other things, then we probably will have to close it. So please just use it. It's only for the purpose of asking the questions that you have about the class and answering the questions that we asked you. Okay, where were we from last week? Boys, girls, girls, now you girls have come back online. Where did we get to at the end of last week? I might come to the boys one minute. We were talking about Ali. We were talking about Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. And let me pick on someone, Yusuf. Uh, where did we get up to in the story of Ali, roughly speaking? Was he in? Was he before he became Muslim? Was it Medina? Was it Mecca? Was it? When he died, where did we get up to? Okay, Yusuf's not, not so confident. Anas is, Muhammad is, Mubin is. Mubin, are you getting help from one of the adults? Yeah. If you're getting help from one of the adults, I will have to throw that adult out of the class. You're not getting help? Go on, Mubin, tell me what's the answer. I didn't really hear what he said. Oh, you didn't quite hear what he said. <laughs> See, this is the problem about listening to other people. Yes, Harry. After his hijrah. After his hijrah. He heard, no, no, he had the answer before. After, very good. After his hijrah. What was special about his hijrah, girls? Girls. What did we say was special about his hijrah? When he made migration and he went from Mecca to Medina. What was special about it? He walked all the way by himself. Very good. Excellent. And we're now going to talk a little bit about Ali ibn Abi Talib in his life in Medina. And I want to talk to you about when he got married to Fatima. And boys, who is Fatima? Ooh, a lot of people got their hands up. Yes. Go on. Yeah, I'm a daughter. She's the daughter of the Prophet 
Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I can take answers in English or Arabic, all the other languages I can't do. You can give me the answer in English, you can give me an Arabic, all the other ones I can't do. But inshallah we'll try, no problem. The Prophet's daughter, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, radiallahu anha. When Ali ibn Abi Talib got married to Fatima, in the beginning, Ali actually didn't know that that people wanted to people were wanting to get rid, get married to Fatima, that people were proposing. You know, they were going to the Prophet وسلم, and they were saying to him that, you know, why don't you marry Fatima to my son? Why don't you marry Fatima to my brother? Why don't you marry Fatima to my cousin? And there was a freed slave of Ali and she came to Ali and said, Don't you know that people are proposing to Fatima? Why don't you go and propose? But Ali was very, very shy. He was extremely shy to go to the Prophet and to ask to the Prophet, Can I marry? Can I marry Fatima? So he went in front of the Prophet and he was quiet, he got too shy. And the Prophet said, perhaps you've come to marry Fatima. He said, yes. The Prophet said, do you have a gift to give her? Because in Islam, when a person gets married, the, the, the man who gets married has to give the woman he's getting married, he has to give her a bridal gift. We call it in Arabic the mahar. He has to give her some, a gift. He said to Ali, do you have anything to give her? Ali said, I don't have anything at all. And this tells us something about Ali radiallahu and what does it tell us about him? What do we learn about him? The girl said he was poor and he was not wealthy. He was not a wealthy one of the companions. He lived a very simple life and he didn't have anything. Then the Prophet said to him, don't you have a shield you have a shield, right? The shield that you were given. And it was the value of that shield. It was worth something in the market. And he gave it as a mahar to uh, Fatima. Radiallahu anha. When he married Fatima, they went through a very difficult time. Both of them, they didn't have very much at all. And Fatima, she used to say, anha, that my father got me married to the poorest man in Medina. And he wasn't the poorest man in Medina, but the, the, the women of Medina used to make fun of her and say, of all the people your father could have married you to, he married you to one of the poorest people in Medina. Until there are stories about how poor Ali was that are really, really shocking. And I read a story about him that he had nothing at all and he had, didn't have anything. So he found a woman who was filling buckets with sand. And he said to her, I will put the water in each bucket if you will pay me one date for each bucket. One date. And he said, I filled 16 buckets until my hands became swollen and she paid me 16 dates. And he shared it between the Prophet and between Fatima and between himself. Can you imagine 
situation like that, you guys think that your, you know what, your, your stuff coming, like, dad, I need a new iPhone, dad, I need this, dad, I need a tablet, dad, I need new trainers, dad, like, for you, it's normal, right? Like, you, did any of you have a situation where the only thing your father had is 16 dates and he shares it between you and your mother and grandfather and the whole family and everybody is just getting two dates each or three dates each. And that's how the life was like for them in Medina. There is one time, it's a very nice story, that uh, Fatima, عنها, she came to the Prophet وسلم, and her hands were sore. She had blistered her hands because she was busy in the house. And this is something amazing, really. I really think it's amazing. Because the daughter of the Messenger of Allah, so I said, how high is the status of Fatima? She's got a very high status in Islam, right? She's very important in Islam. She used to just help out her husband in the house. And she used to make her hands blistered from doing the work in the house and she was kneading the door until her hands became blistered. And sometimes they said that she was so tired when she was making the, the bread, she used to fall asleep and her hair would go into the bread from how tired she was. They came to the Prophet وسلم, and they said to the Prophet وسلم, that we are really suffering. Look, Ali, his, his hands and feet are swollen. Fatima, she has blisters. Give us a servant. Give us a servant. The Prophet said no. Do you have any idea why he would have said no? What do you think? Okay, the girls gave me an answer. Let's hear some of the boys' answers. Yes. Okay. So maybe it's not appropriate for them to have a servant. The girl said maybe because the, uh, they, he didn't want them to have too much pride or like too much happiness for like, if they have a servant. What do we have on there? Do we have any ideas from the guys who are watching at home? What do you think? To test Ali. Okay, very good. To test him. What do you think? If you change the last word there, it was perfect, your answer. You said he didn't give him a slave because if he'd given him a slave, it would have been unfair on the dot, dot, dot. Who would it have been unfair on? Your answer is perfect. If the girls got it, let's see if the boys get it. Do we have any answers? It was better for them to be patient. Very good. That's a correct answer as well. Who would it have been unfair on? Which people? The other poor people in Medina, right? Is that there were very, very poor people living in Medina. There were people living in Medina from Ahlul Sufa. And those people, they were the guests of the Prophet وسلم, and they used to live in, in his masjid, right? Next to his masjid. And they were so poor that they didn't have even the, the, the blanket to cover their head and feet. They were very, very poor. 
He said, how can I give you a servant and then those people don't have any servant? So I can't give to you and then I don't give to them. It's not, they will feel bad. So he didn't accept it. But he gave them something better. He gave them something better. And he said, he said, to teach them when you go to bed to say subhanallah and to say alhamdulillah and to say Allahu Akbar. Now my question to you is, how many times do you say those words when you're going to bed? Boys have got some answers. Girls said 10. Boys, do you agree with the girls? 10? No. Yeah. No. 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 One or two boys agree? One. One or two boys agree? Okay, girls. Do we have any off Telegram? Shout them out if the Telegram people give answers. Shout them out. Just waiting to see if we have any more answers from the guys. The girls have got an answer. Some people are typing on Telegram. Okay, the Telegram answer was right. 33, 33, 34. Okay, 33, 33, 34. 33, 4, subhanallah, and 33, 4, alhamdulillah, and 34, 4, Allahu Akbar. Okay. What about Ali in the battles with the Prophet ﷺ? He took part in all of the battles except one. There was one battle he didn't take part in. And Muhammad put his hand up straight away, so I'm gonna, without asking his dad, so I'm going to ask you what it's called. Tabuk. He didn't take part in the battle of Tabuk. Why? Why did he not take part in it? Was it because he, did, he wasn't brave? What do you think, Muhammad? Was it because he wasn't brave? Anas, what do you think? Because he said that he, he said that he should stay back with. Yeah. You're nearly right. Go on. He said he would. Who said he should stay back? Oh, he said he said he should stay back because to protect the other people. Ah, so he, the Prophet told him to stay back. So there's a difference, right, in a battle. I'm going to come to you. There's a difference in a battle between someone who cheats the battle and, and hides and doesn't go and someone who the Prophet ﷺ was told to stay back. Uh, the girls are in this room today. Yeah, yeah. If they're not there, you can just give a little tap on the door and they, they should, the girls will open the door. So, the Prophet ﷺ told him. So in the battle of Badr, he took part. In the battle of Uhud, he actually did a duel. Do you know what? Do, do you guys know what a duel a duel is? Yeah. Oh, a few people know what a duel is, yeah. Let's see, girls, go on then, girls. I, the boys know what duel is because the boys duel all the time, right? You boys are always dueling against people. What's a duel, girls? 
Two people fight one-on-one. -on -one. So normally in a battle, what's a battle like? What do you think a battle is like? Do you think a battle is like, okay, your turn, your turn, your turn. No, a battle is a battle, right? Everyone is jumping in and fighting. And How did the Muslims used to fight? In what shape were they? Did they make a circle or did they make a triangle or a square? How did they used to fight? Ooh, that's a Like everybody, everybody just fight together like that. Okay? What do you think? In rows. In rows. Allah loved the people who fought in the battles in rows. So they used to fight in strict rows. But before the battle would start, they would have some jewels. So one on one. And this would start the battle. And in the battle of Uhud, Ali radiallahu he fought uh, Talha ibn Uthman, who was carrying the banner of the polytheist. Now, I want you to understand this. When there's a battle in those days, people used to carry banners. Each army would carry at least one and sometimes more than one banner. So a banner is like a really big flag. Yeah? You with me? Like a really big flag. And what the banner would show is the banner would show that this is our army. We are in this army. Do you understand? Yeah? So the soldiers would fight with a, with a banner. And usually most of the fighting would take place beside the banner because people would see the banner. People didn't have uniforms. People would see the banner. Okay, that's the enemy. Let's go get the guy with the banner. So they would fight with the banner. Many times Ali took the banner of the Muslims. Many times the Prophet gave him the banner. Why do you think he gave him the banner? Why do you think? Not sure. Not sure? Okay, no problem. Girls, why do you think? Because he was brave, the girl said. Boys, do you have anything to add to that? He was a good fighter. What do you think, uh, Mubin? What do you think? The best warrior. The best? Warrior. Warrior, very good. Okay, those are all similar answers. What do you think? Very good. The Prophet trusted him. Excellent. And because the Prophet loved him. Because in one of the narrations he said that I am going to give the banner tomorrow to someone who Allah and his messenger loves. And he loves Allah and his messenger. That he was going to give. And he gave that banner to Ali. So he loved Ali and Ali loved him. And Allah loved Ali and Ali loved Allah. And that was one of the reasons why Ali was given the banner to fight uh, under and in this battle of Uhud, it was Talha ibn Uthman was the was the non-Muslim who was carrying their banner, and Ali fought with him, and Ali uh, overtook him. In Ali, uh, he uh, beat him in the duel. He beat him uh, in the duel. After that, when Mus'ab ibn Umair was killed in the battle of Uhud, Ali took the banner from Mus'ab and he carried the banner of the Muslims. And many, Ali was very successful during the battle, during the battle of Uhud. And we said that he took part in all the battles with the Prophet wasallam, except the battle of Tabuk because of the fact that the Prophet wasallam told him to stay behind. Now, in the Battle of the Trench, 
in the Battle of the Trench, or in, even not, in, not even just in the Battle of the Trench, but generally speaking, there were certain things the Prophet would often send Ali anhu to do. And one of the things that he would send him out, there were some really important jobs that he sent Ali ibn Abi Talib out with, certain things that he said, I want you to go and do this one. One of the things that he was sent to do is to call the people to Islam before a battle. So before the battle would take place, the Muslims wouldn't just jump in like that and fight people. Instead, when the armies would come together, they would come and they would offer them. And they would say that to these people that either you become Muslim, or if they were from the people of the book, either then you pay the jizya, the tax, or either we will fight. If they were from the idol worshippers, the people who worship the idols, they gave them this choice. They said, either you will become Muslim or either we will fight. So Ali radiallahu anhu, some sometimes in those battles, he used to go out before and he used to explain this to the people, explain Islam to them, and say to them, instead of fighting, maybe before we fight, instead of us fighting today, why don't you accept Islam? And many times, and many people accepted Islam from uh, from him, radiallahu ta'ala, and When the Prophet told Ali anhu to stay behind and Ali he actually rode out, he rode out with the Muslims and came to the Prophet and he was upset that he got left behind. He was a little bit upset that he got left behind. And because he came to the Prophet and he said, why have you left me behind with the women and the children? Why do you think Ali was upset to be left behind? What do you think? Girls, what do you think? Because he wanted to fight for Islam. Very good answer. He, he was a fighter. He was a warrior. Right? He was brave. He didn't want to stay behind. He said, how have you left me? You've left me at home with the women and you've left me at home with the children. The Prophet said, Wasallam said to him, won't you be happy to be like Harun was to Musa? Except that there is no prophet after me. Meaning that you, how Musa, when Musa left, he left who in charge? When Musa left to go to his meeting, who did he leave in charge? Harun. So he said, how Musa left Harun in charge? I'm leaving you in charge. And that shows that he trusted him as a leader. And many of the companions, he gave them that position of being the leader to stay behind when the Muslims went out for battle. And it shows that he trusted Ali anhu for that. Now, I want to fast forward. I want to fast forward in our story because we don't have a lot of time and I do want to finish our story today. I want to fast forward to the killing of Uthman. Do you guys remember the class we did when we talked about how Uthman died? Can someone remind me how did Uthman die? Roughly, just quickly. Let's see from the boys first. Let's see from the boys. Go on. Um, he, he got killed while reading the Quran. And then, uh, Very good. So he got killed while reading the Quran. Yeah, and he first, the first thing was his, his hand. He cut his hand. Yeah. And then 
And somebody came and killed him. And, and why did those people come and kill him? What was it? What, what, what had happened? Uh, let's hear from the girls. Girls, do you remember? Okay, the people who were making the siege around his house, they, uh, they came in and they killed him. Then what was called, what caused those people to come and surround the house of Uthman? Why did the people come and surround his house like that? From the telegram, from the telegram, the, the, the people who are on our telegram discussion. Sometimes we have to ask also the people who are watching on the camera as well, right? So we give everybody a chance. Sorry? No, they didn't hate Islam. The girls got the answer right. There was a false letter. So basically what happened was the hypocrites stirred up trouble with those people. And they caused those people who were not good people, they caused them to get the wrong idea about Uthman and they went to the house of Uthman and eventually they killed him. Okay. Uthman has died. And he wasn't killed by a non-Muslim. He was killed by this group of people who came from inside of Islam. How do you think then the people of Medina were feeling at that time? Then? What, how do you think they were feeling? What do you think was going through their mind? Yes, Yusuf. They, okay, good. So... One person said upset, the girl said revenge. Good, I like those two things. And I think we'll stick with them. The people of Medina were upset because their leader had been killed. And he had been killed not from an enemy from outside who crept into Medina like what happened with Umar. But he had been killed from inter problems inside the Muslims, between the Muslims. So in that time, who do you think wanted to be in charge of the Muslims? I'm going to see who gets this right. I don't think many people are going to get this right. Not the rebels didn't want to be in charge. The girl said the rebels, not the rebels didn't want to get be in charge. Mubin, what do you think? The leader of the Quraysh? No, the leader of Quraysh didn't want to be in charge. What do you think? Ali or rebel? Ali? Ah, the girls got the answer. Nobody wanted to be in charge. Yeah, he said either Ali or nobody. No, no, nobody. Ali radiallahu anhu didn't also want to be in charge. Nobody after that wants to be, okay, I'll be in charge. Like Everybody was like, this is a terrible thing. Nobody wants to be in charge. But they talked to Ali and they said, look, there is nobody better than you. And that's true. Because who was the best of the companions was Abu Bakr. And he died. Then Umar and he died. Then Uthman and he died. Who was the best after them? Ali. So Ali was the best companion who was alive at that time. There was nobody better. So nobody else competed. Like you know when it was the time when, when Umar died. 
and Uthman and Ali, they both wanted kind of to be in charge and then in the end, it was decided between them who was going to be that it was going to be Uthman. After Uthman died, there was nobody. Everybody said it has to be Ali, radiallahu anhu. He didn't want it, but he said, okay, we, you know, we have to. In some of the narrations, it's mentioned that those bad people who killed Uthman, they said to Ali, if you don't become in charge, we are going to kill everyone in Medina. Some of the narrations said that. That they said to Ali, if you don't be take charge of the Muslims, we are going to kill everybody in Medina. Okay. So what was the situation that Ali found himself in? He found himself in a situation, he's in charge. But he's in charge of who? Who is he in charge of? Yes, the good Muslims in Medina. But also, those bad people are there as well. Where is the Muslim army? The Muslim army is outside of Medina. They, have, they are fighting the battles in different faraway countries. There is no plane to quickly fly back to Medina, right? Instead, it's going to take the army a long time. So, who can tell me really, with your best guess, what do you think was Ali's biggest problem at this time? The biggest problem he had to deal with. What to do with the people, the girl said. What to do with the people who killed Uthman. Don't worry boys, next time I'm going to ask you. Next time. What shall we do with these people? So go on then boys, you tell me. What were his options? And which option was good and bad? Like, let's just say you imagine that you are in that situation. Uthman has been killed. The people who killed Uthman are still in charge of Medina, like they are controlling Medina. They have their swords, their, 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 like an army, which is there. The Muslim army is far away. And now Ali is suddenly in charge. He doesn't really want to be, but everybody said to him, you are, you are the only one left. You have to be in charge. So now, what are the problems facing Ali? What does he have a true What he do? Okay. First option is to make a peace agreement with them. Okay, so first option, make a peace agreement with them. Okay. The, the second option is to fight them, but since they have an army, and the Muslim army is still returning, that would basically mean that Ali wouldn't be in charge anymore. Very good. So his second problem is, do we fight them? But if we fight them, we don't have an army to fight them with. And maybe many Muslims will be killed fighting them and there is no, we don't really have a proper army to fight them with. If you have any good ideas from the telegram, shout them out, yeah? We don't really have a good, any good options. The first option, as you said, was to make a peace agreement, but that's kind of unfair on Uthman, right? And the people who, who fought against, who, who uh, from the family of Uthman, Uthman's family, who want revenge. What's the third option? You gave me three options. Ah, to ask people in Medina what they want to do. So really, the people in Medina, even they didn't really have a, uh, really an idea what everybody wanted to do. Everyone agreed that we have to punish the person who killed Uthman. Everybody agreed. Ali agreed. Everyone agreed that who killed Uthman, we have to punish that person. Why? Because if we don't punish that person, what's going to happen again? They're going to kill Ali, isn't it? And then they're going to kill somebody else and somebody else and until the Muslims will never get out of the problem. What the problem was is how do we do it? Because we don't have our army and we want to avoid further 
bloodshed. We want to avoid more people getting killed. So Ali radiallahu his idea was to wait a while. His idea radiallahu anhu was to wait a while, give some time. Let the Muslim army come back and let us get control of the situation. The only problem with that idea is it means that for now, the people who killed Uthman are not going to be punished at this exact moment and straight away, they're not going to get punished. The other problem is they don't know the individual who killed Uthman. They don't know specifically which person it was because it was a big group of people who came into the house. So if it's one person, it's not so bad. You can get that one person. But now it's a big group of people. And so Ali radiallahu he wanted to punish the person who killed Uthman, but he didn't have a good way to do it. So he made the decision that we're going to wait and give it some time until Allah makes it easy for us for the situation to calm down. Now, we still who was stirring up all the trouble all this time? Who stirred up the trouble with Uthman in the first place? Yes, what do you think? The letter. The letter. Who was behind the letter? Who was the one who was stirring up the trouble with the letter? Friends. Um, the leader of the the leader of the Munafiqeen, the hypocrites, that was Abdullah ibn Sabah. And he was the one stirring up trouble. Do you think he's going to stop stirring up trouble now? That Uthman is dead? No, no, no. Now he's going to stir up a whole new load of trouble. And one of the ways that he wanted to stir up trouble a lot is he wanted to make the Muslims fight each other. How is he going to make the Muslims fight each other? He's going to use this thing about Uthman to make the Muslims want to fight each other. Because he's going to say, see, he's not punishing the, the people who, are, who killed Uthman. And then on the other side, he's going to say, see, they're not listening to you. And he's going to make the Muslims fight against each other. And there were a couple of times in which the Muslims actually fought against each other. SubhanAllah, good Muslims from the Sahaba, and they fought against each other because of this. And what happened in one of the battles, actually what happened was, I'm gonna tell you about this battle, it's a very famous battle. It's called the Battle of the Camel. And in this battle, it started off with the best intention. The Muslims had an army that reached Mecca. Okay? Not Medina, but the army that reached Mecca. And along with that, they had convinced Aisha radiallahu anha. Who is Aisha? I'm going to ask somebody different. Who is Aisha? Who hasn't answered a question in the class today? It's an easy question. Who is Aisha? Someone who hasn't answered a question in the class today. Someone who hasn't answered a question. Until one of the boys, but okay, Danny. The Prophet Sallallahu wife, they convinced her that why don't you go and make peace between the people who are fighting? Why did they want Aisha to go and make peace? What do you think? Why would she be a good person to make peace between people? Okay, very good. The girls gave a very good answer because she was very wise 
And because she was the Prophet wife, so everybody would listen to her. So she went to make peace between the people. And with her, there was uh, her, there was her uh, nephew and there were some people with her and they had made the decision that they were going to take the Muslim army with them. So now the problem will go away. Why will the problem go away? Because now the Muslim army is back. So not only is Aisha going to go and make peace between the people who are fighting, but also the Muslim army came back. So now the Muslim army will be able to sort out those people who killed Uthman. Make sense so far? You think it's a good plan? So far it's a good plan, right? Aisha will go, she will make peace between everybody and the Muslim army will come and they will get rid of the people who killed Uthman. Good plan. Okay. So when the hypocrites saw this good plan, they made a different plan. They said, we have to stop this from happening. So what they did is they had people inside of the army that came with Aisha. And they had people inside of the army that was with Ali. So what they started to do is they started to fire against each other. Now what do you think people started to think? What happened? Hmm. What do you think? They joined the army. Okay. What do you think? Okay, okay, getting close, what do you think? I think the Muslims betrayed because... What? So they made the two armies feel like the other one betrayed them. And so the big fight started between the two armies. But actually the people who started this fight were not from the Muslims at all, they were from the Munafiqeen. And they made, because already it was a bit sensitive, right? There's two armies and people are fighting and disagreeing with each other. And straight away they thought, betrayed. They betrayed us. They lied. They didn't come for peace. They came for war. And they fought against each other until Aisha's camel was killed. And that's why they called it the Battle of the Camel. That's why they called it the Battle of the Camel. And in that, uh, after that, Aisha, she was not, she was okay. Ali radiallahu anhu, he took her back to Medina uh, by himself. In himself, he went with and he took her back to Medina. But the situation didn't get any better now. It got worse. Because now the two armies started to fight and everybody doesn't trust everybody else. And there was another battle after that. They fought also. But nobody won and they couldn't make peace between them. When two big groups of Muslims fight each other, what do we have to do? Okay, you put your hand up first. So you can't just tell everyone to calm down like it's a normal place. It's because it's like 30,000, 30,000. You can't just go in the middle and tell everyone to calm down because chances are they're just going to come. Okay, so you couldn't really tell them to calm down. The girls gave a good answer as well. They said you have to make peace. وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اقْتَتَلُوا Make the peace between them. Make peace between them. Make peace between them. So that's what they tried to do. In the end, the only way they could make peace between them is to separate the two groups. And one of the groups went to Syria and the area of Syria. And the other group, they stayed in the rest of the Muslim lands 
and they separated between them, made separation between them, like that. They made a peace agreement to just be separate from each other for a time, for a while. Now what happened was something was going to happen after that. And that is that Ali ibn Abi Talib himself was killed. Okay. How was Ali killed and who killed him? There was a very, very bad group of people. And this group of people, they are called the Khawarij. And they're called the Khawarij because the Prophet said about them, he said about them, Iman goes through them like an arrow goes through gate. If you shoot an arrow at a deer, it goes straight through the other side. And you look and you see there's not even any blood on it. And they called the Khawarij because they went against Ali radiallahu anhu. Why did they go against Ali? I'm going to tell you. They went against Ali because they were so angry with him. Why did he make peace between those two groups? They didn't want him to make peace. They wanted him to fight. They said, you should have fought against them. And why did you let Aisha go and bring her safely back to Medina? They didn't want this. They wanted the Muslims to fight against each other. So they said, no. If you made this agreement between you and you said, you know, you live there and we live here. No. We don't think you're a Muslim anymore. And this group is famous. They keep saying this about people. You're not a Muslim and you're not a Muslim and you're not a Muslim. They said about him, you're not a Muslim anymore. And they made a plan to kill Ali bin Abi Talib. But you know the strangest thing about this group of people? Is that they were a group of people who really tried to do a lot of prayers and read a lot of Quran. They were people who, the person who killed Ali, the night before he killed Ali, he spent the night in prayer. The whole night was praying. Did that prayer benefit him? No, it didn't help him. Why? Because they went away from what the Prophet ﷺ taught. And Ali tried a few times, he made peace with them, he tried to make them understand, but in the end, in the end, Ali, he was killed by one of them. And uh, he was killed by him when he came out of the door at the time of Salat al-Fajr. Ali had prayed Fajr and he came out of the door at Fajr and there was a man there and that man, he struck Ali with a sword and his name was Abdul Rahman ibn Mujah. Abdul Rahman ibn Mujah, he was a bad man. And he took the sword and he hit Ali with the sword. In the beginning, it didn't look too bad. It looked like maybe Ali would be okay. They captured him, they got hold of him, and they thought that maybe Ali radiallahu is going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But what had happened is he had poisoned his sword. And he said, Ali's daughter, she said that my dad is going to be okay and he's going to deal with you. 
And he said to her, I put the point <coughs> on the sword enough to kill a thousand people. If, 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 I, if I hit the sword with a thousand people, all one thousand would have died. I filled the sword with poison. And because of that, Ali he started to get more and more uh, ill until he died. Uh, until he died, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. When Ali radiallahu anhu died, now the situation has gone really bad for Muslims, right? Because first of all, Uthman was killed. When Umar was killed, it was not so bad because Umar was killed by a non-Muslim who came into Medina, so it was a one-person thing. When Uthman was killed, it was bad. Now the Muslims started to fight each other. And now Ali radiallahu anhu has been killed. Who is going to step up and take control of the situation? Now this is a tough one. I'm going to ask you guys if you have any idea who is going to step up now and is going to take control of the situation and fix everything by the permission of Allah. Okay, the girls know. Let's see if the boys know. No problem, tell me a little bit. His name is Ugly Wayne, I think he was dead at that time. Ah, uh, no, not quite. Neither. No, no, good. No, it's okay. Really, it's good. Let's see. Um, good try. Yes. Al Hassan. So the girls got the answer right, and Muhammad got the answer right. Al Hassan. Al Hassan. Radiallahu anhu. Who is Al Hassan? Guys, who is Al Hassan? Anas, who is Al Hassan? The daughter of Ali. And the son of Ali. Ali's oldest son. Whose mother is? Fatima. Fatima. The son of Ali and Fatima al-Hassan. There was one time where Ali, where al-Hassan, he was in the masjid and he was stumbling in the masjid. He was a little baby. And the Prophet ﷺ picked him up and said, Inabni hadha Sayyid. This grandson of mine is a leader. And he's going to make peace between two big groups of the Muslims. He's gonna make peace between them. And that's what happened. Al-Hassan became in charge of the people. Now, hold on a second. Al-Hassan is in charge of the people who Ali was in charge of them. But there's another group of people in Syria, right? You guys with me? Yeah. Yeah, we said the Muslims split into two. Half of them went to Syria, where they stayed, and half of them stayed in the other parts of the Muslim lands. In Syria, the one who was in charge of them there was a companion whose name was Muawiyah, Mu'abi Sufyan, radiallahu anhum. And Muawiyah, he was in charge of the people there. Now, who became in charge of the people after Ali died? His son, Al-Hassan. Al-Hassan went to Muawiyah, and he made peace between the Muslims. And he gave up being in charge. He said, I, I'm going to give it up. You can become in charge of all of the Muslims. And he made an agreement with him. And then Al-Hassan gave up being in charge of the Muslims. And he made peace between everyone. And everyone came united under the Khilafah of Muawiyah. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. 
So now Muawiyah became in charge. Why? Because Al-Hassan said, I don't want to be in charge. What I'm going to do is you and me, we're going to make a peace between us, an agreement. We're going to make peace. And so they came together, they made a peace, and the issue was solved, and all the Muslims came together under the leadership of Muawiyah. But when that happened, when that happened, that was the end of the Khilafah al-Rashidah. The end of the rightly guided caliphs. So who were the rightly guided caliphs? Who were the, the rightly guided caliphs? They were Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali. And if you want to say Al-Hassan, this is also fair to say Al-Hassan. They were the rightly guided caliphs. Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali. And add to that also as the, the tiny little bit of time that Al-Hassan, he, uh, until he gave up his rulership to, to make peace between the Muslims. After that, the Muslim leaders, the situation changed. Because instead of choosing the best Muslim to be in charge, what happened? Instead it became people, my son is in charge, and his son is in charge, and his son is in charge, and his son is in charge. So what does that remind you of when everyone's son and you know, cousin is in charge, now his brother is in charge, and his son is in charge? What does that remind you of? No, not, not about the Sahaba. I mean, when does that, what does that remind you of when it becomes his son and his son and his son? Kings. Kings, right? So it, did a, it, it stopped becoming like how Islam was supposed to be and it became like a king kingdom. It became like kings instead. It became like kings instead. It became like kings instead. Okay. So, we have now finished the story of Ali ibn Abi Talib, very briefly, we didn't cover everything, but just what we could do. And we finished the story of Abu Bakr before that, and Umar, and Uthman, and Ali We're going to take a break now from Islamic history, and next week, we're going to talk about hadith. Okay? Why? Because in our kids' class, we, every few weeks, we change to talk about a new topic. And we haven't done hadith properly yet. We've done, what have we done? We've, we've done, uh, who is your Lord and your Prophet and, you know, your religion. We've done uh, the, some of the names of Allah. We've done, uh, give me the list of, of uh, names. Give me the list of class, play the playlist. Or uh, maybe I can get it. You did Aqidah, then you did Sirah, then you did Fiqh. One second. Yeah, no, no, give me all of it. Oh. Yeah, we've done some fiqh. We've done the fiqh of prayer, we've done the fiqh of, of hajj. Stories of the Sahaba. We've done some aqidah. We've done some tafsir, we did tafsir of, what did tafsir did we do? We did tafsir, right? Mm -hmm. Not yet? 
We did do tafsir. We did tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha, no? Yeah, we did tafsir of Surah Fatiha. Names of Allah. Fiqh of Hajj, yeah. Then we did stories of the Sahaba, right. So the one that I wanted to do now is Hadith. So from next lesson, we're going to talk about what a Hadith is and what the Sunnah is and why is it important. Okay, so if you guys want to look up and research some of that before you come to the class next week, we're going to be talking about what is a Hadith, what's the Sunnah, and why is the Sunnah important for us. Okay, any questions from the girls' side? First of all, any questions from Telegram, because you guys take a long time to, to type your questions. Okay, let them start. Girls' side, any questions? Girls are thinking about it. Boys' side, any questions? Yes. Well, on YouTube, um, it said every um, imam um, has agreed that the Day of Judgment is near. Do you agree? The question is, the Day of Judgment is near. We need here to ask ourselves, what did Allah say? And what did the Prophet say? So Allah said, They think the Day of Judgment is far away, but we know the Day of Judgment is close. And the Prophet said, He said, me and the hour, we came like this close. Like it's the, the gap between your two fingers. So based on that, is it close or far? Close. Close, huh? Why? Because Allah said, and because the Prophet said so. But when we say close, someone might say, well, a lot of time has gone since those days. But the reason for that is because the, the world has been here for a long time. So actually, in the length of the whole world, the Prophet was very close. Only a thousand, one thousand four hundred years is very little time in comparison to the whole world, right? Does that make sense? Did you have a follow-up question? Yeah, and all, almost all the minor signs have happened, except from the mountain of gold. You know the thing about the minor signs? is that we're going to do them in the class but the thing that inshallah the thing about the minor signs is honestly that not all of them will happen before the major signs there's no evidence to say that every minor sign will happen before the major signs so you can't even say that the mountain of gold because the mountain of gold might happen after the major signs started or during the major signs i don't think there's a strong evidence to say that all the minor signs will happen and stop and then the big signs will start Actually, the, the minor signs might even happen during those big signs. Uh, so that's my answer to the question, if that makes sense. Okay. Sorry? No, the same people did not actually kill Uthman and Ali. Exactly, no. Uh, the people who killed Uthman were like a group of... Or they call them the rabble, you know, like a group of foolish people who didn't know what they were, 
they were doing, they were under the control of the hypocrites, and they did a big, a big, uh, a big sin against uh, Uthman and against Islam. The people who killed Ali, they had a deliberate belief. They really believed that what they were doing was right. The people of Uthman, they were like out of control. You know the people who killed Uthman? You can imagine them like out of control, foolish people who lost control. The people who killed Ali, they knew what they were doing. They planned it and thought about it. And they believed that it was going to make them close to Allah. I and mean, some of them, they believed that the person who killed Ali, when he killed Ali, he went to Jannah. And that is that was their belief. So they had a very wrong belief. It's a bit of a different. Does that make sense? The difference between the two. Does that make sense? Yeah. The, the one of them was just an out of control group, and one of them deliberately they had that belief. That's why we call them the Khawarij. But the group that rebelled against Uthman, we don't really call we don't really call them Khawarij. They were not really. They didn't really have those beliefs. They were just a foolish group of people who lost control of what they were doing. Yes, Yusuf. People who were there at the time. Yes, yeah, yeah, some of them were Muslim, yeah. yeah. I, who, who were around? Yeah, the group, yeah, the group are not yeah they, were, they were Muslim in the first place. Yeah, they were Muslim in the first place, but they were just very foolish and very, like, they lost control and, and things like that. So they were a mix of people, and they were like, they were a mix of people. After we don't know, after that, you know, yeah, they. they some of them seem like they were they were behaving like they were just, yes. Last question, please. Um, if some of the Muslims didn't know, like if they were wrong, they killed like somebody, and they were wrong. For example, uh, uh, if they were like, not corrupt, or so they're in a very dangerous situation. It's a really good question. The question was. The people who killed Uthman, and they were Muslim, and they were wrong, if it was a Muslim, if it was a Muslim, because some people say he was killed by Abdullah bin Sabah, I think some of them said that. But if it was a Muslim who killed him, or the Muslims who were involved in killing him, and they were wrong, will they go to Jannah? If they didn't know it was wrong, will they go to Jannah? Honestly, they're in a very dangerous situation. Because Allah said, Whoever kills a believer deliberately is going to go to Jahannam. But it is possible that Allah would forgive a person and not punish them if he wants to. And any Muslim who goes to Jahannam will not go to Jahannam forever. Does that make sense? Anyone who's a Muslim and goes to Jahannam will not go forever. Eventually they will go to Jahannam. But even some of the people said that the person who actually killed Uthman, some of them said that it was not a Muslim, it was actually one of the hypocrites who actually uh, killed him. But there's not a clear evidence, they don't know for sure who killed him. But some of them said that it was, that the person who actually killed him was not a Muslim. But even if he was a Muslim, then we would say that uh, he's in a very dangerous situation. Allah threatened him with Jahannam. If Allah wills, he will forgive a person. And if Allah punishes a person who is a Muslim in Jahannam, then he will not punish him forever. He will go to Jannah eventually. Does that make sense? Okay. We're going to stop there, guys. Jazakallah khair. A little bit of a long class today. Normally we don't go so long. But today we had to finish. Next week we're talking about Sunnah. We're talking about Hadith in Islam. We're looking forward to seeing you guys next week, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Subhanakallah.
وتوب اليه والصلاه والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه